Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins and it's great to have your company wherever you're listening today, right around the world. A very special hello or hola to my listeners on the Camino. I hope you're enjoying your journey wherever it takes you. Pilgrims are kindred spirits in many ways and to have undertaken a pilgrimage is one of life's true gifts. To be preparing to embark on a pilgrimage is similarly a joyous experience filled with anticipation, research, discovery, hopes and dreams. There's an old saying, travelling in the company of those we love is home in motion. Well, I received an email from Jessica Trask Suero earlier this year. Jessica and her family are were at one stage 217 miles into their 500-mile Camino to Santiago, and things changed fairly quickly. Jessica is on the line with her husband, Will, and I think they're in the wilds of Scotland this morning. Hi, guys. Welcome. Hey, Dan. How are you? Hi, Dan. Yeah, yeah. So where are you? We are currently in the Outer Hebrides of Scotland. It's, a, it's an island chain that is off the northwest corner. Um, it's like the, the third largest island chain in, in the UK Isles. Um, it's cold. It's really, <laughs> it's really cold. cold here. But the cool thing is, is right now we can almost see the tip of Neolithic stones because this is where we parked the motorhome last night. So that's pretty cool because it's not too often you get to say, well, I'm looking on... on stones that are over 5,000 years old, right? Yeah, that's right. And, and so we're going to get to a concept that the pair of you developed called world towning. And, and in, in the course of the research for my interview today, indeed, I was just having dinner with my wife downstairs and I was saying, these guys are amazing. Because this is really a concept that I think will appeal to a great deal of pilgrims. But let's go back to the start and 2013. Perhaps I could ask you, Jessica, just explain to my listeners what happened when you were on the Camino de Santiago. So, um, back to 2013. So we, but we, we hiked, we recently hiked the Camino. So do you want, you want us to go back and talk about where we were in, in our mind and yeah. living and all that stuff in 2013? Okay. 2013 when you began this entire journey. Yeah. So in 2013, Will and I and the kids were living in Boston, Massachusetts. And, you know, it's not really a story that's too unfamiliar to many people that are listening that live in first world countries. We were rat race people. We worked long hours. We were overscheduled most time, most months over budgeted. Um, we, you know, we didn't hate our life. We never left the U.S. to travel because we disliked our life. We really enjoyed it quite a bit, but we wanted to travel and expose the children to the world and have more time with them. We wanted to create these amazing experiences rather than kind of buying stuff and filling a house and, you know, taxing the kids to places and commitments and really deepen our connection as a family. So you started this, this travel, this trip that is still this journey that is still going today. Yeah, we, you know, the intent was to go through, Will was a, a corporate guy and was to go as an expat through the company and, you know, kind of go the safe route, you know, secure, we'd he'd, he'd have an income. I was a graphic designer. I could work anywhere with my design business. The, the company, we you know, would, would fund our housing and the kids schooling and we wouldn't be freaking out about money. But 
over time, and this was this process was seven years in the making, we realized that the, the kids were getting older and these opportunities to go live in another country as an expat um, were coming and going and just nothing was ever coming to fruition. So one day I had this idea. I said to her, you know, I guess we're just not going to go live in another country. So why don't we go for a summer? Um, I was working from home at the time and I said, well, let's just, why don't I take the kids and go spend a summer in Paris with them? It's not ideal to leave, kind of leave Will behind. It was definitely not ideal for me to try and work full time and be with the kids and experience Paris. But it, I felt like it was the best we were going to get in the situation. And maybe we could just do summers traveling. And it wasn't ideal either from, from a cost perspective either. No. Because Paris is not exactly the most affordable city in the world. But we found a way to make it happen. Um, basically, we realized that if we cut out you know, the things that we normally do to, over the summer, which is send the kids to maybe a sports camp or maybe take like a little leisurely vacation that we can perhaps take that income or take that expense and then push that into what we're going to do uh, in Paris. When, when the idea became first um, something that we were actually going to do, you know, I had this, this job where, you know, I had to sit at a desk, you know, five days a week. And, you know, my, my vacation time did not allow for me to spend seven weeks in Paris so I approached my employer who I worked for a company that had a global op operation. So there was an office in Paris that I worked at. And I said, well, what if I work from that office just remotely? Because clearly my work is, is in the United States um, and just dial in for meetings and just do, do what I need to do for a week and then take two weeks off. And then I can spend three weeks with the family while we're, while we're doing this, this Paris experience. And my, my boss actually said something really nice and said, you know, how long you, is your family going? And I explained it was seven weeks. It was to go ahead and get this amazing experience. And they said, why don't you just work from there the entire time? Wow. So, yeah. And it was it was fantastic because I was then able to, you know, share this experience. And number one, that's number one. Number two, we were actually able to discover what it would be like as a family right. to start traveling full time. And live in a small space. And have to make a lot of compromises. There were a lot of complications that summer. Um, our the apartment we could afford was very small. I had a lot of issues. I was sick for a couple of weeks. Our daughter Avalon was hospitalized with mono for a week. Um, and even after all of that, um, we came back and said, "Wow, this is kind of this was the most magical thing that's ever happened. We need to change our life." So we came back to the United States and we set ourselves on a 12-month plan to sell um, everything and to figure out how logistically, how we would do this. What do we do about medical insurance? How are we going to school the kids? How do we convert um, all of our finances you know, to virtual so we can pay our bills on the phone and you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And we did it. I mean, we, you know, it's funny because I'm looking at Will now like, we did it. Oh my gosh, we did it. <laughs> every, I, there's not a day that goes by, honestly, Dan, that I don't, I don't, I don't look, I don't look and take a moment to reflect and say, wow, we really did it. And we're still doing it. And we're so lucky. Like I never, ever take it for granted. It was really hard to get to this point. And we do still work very hard. And there are days that are harder than others and days we think, oh my gosh, is this so hard? Uh, but in the end, it has been the best decision that we have made for our family. And, and, you know, kind of the rest is history. We spent a year living in Costa Rica and then nine months living in Ecuador and then 10 months in the south of France. And then 13 months ago, we bought a motorhome. And our goal is to see um, every visit every country in Europe. And we've, we've spent some time in Morocco. And then in the middle of this thing, I had this idea. I said, let's go for a hike. <laughs> and that's kind of how the Camino came about. So let's and I talk. said, well, do you want to go hiking for, you know, a little over a month? And he's like, what? 
how are we going to do that? How are we going to work? This is crazy. How are we going to see Europe in the 12 months or in the 24 months we have left before we actually sell the motorhome? <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the Camino. Perhaps you will you might start and 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 taking two young children on the Camino is is a logistical nightmare as well. So tell us about the whole experience. Well, I mean, let's let's address number one. The kids. The kids. Yeah. You know, they were, I mean, in terms of logistical nightmare, you know, it was number one, it was summertime. So, yeah. you know, all the schooling requirements were, were done by that point. And so there was really no need to, to schedule anything and make sure that, you know, everything was lined up as we would normally do. Because our life on the road is a logistical nightmare, yeah. I would say. <laughs> because in general, you know, we spend three days a week out and about exploring our, our surroundings, whether it be, you know, a city or, or backcountry or, you know, something historical. And then we spend four days a week working ourselves, you know, Jessica and I, and we spend four days a week also facilitating our kids' education because they're homeschooled while we live in the motorhome. So that is a logistical nightmare. The Camino. It felt like a vacation. It felt like a vacation. <laughs> People were saying, people felt so bad for us. You have to hike and then you have to work. I'm like, you should come live with us in our other life. But, you know, just talking about the kids, Dan, they were so, you know, kids are so easy to travel with, particularly since we have a teen, an early teen and a tween. So they're, they're 10 and 14. Avalon turned 14 the, the day after we finished the hike. Um, dealing with them and doing this was quite easy. They were really like traveling with adults. They're old enough to be able to take care of their own packs, fill their water, set up their bed, um, you know, communicate with other people. They know how to order their food. They both speak Spanish. Um, the, the hardest part was convincing that this was a great idea and we should all go do it. <laughs> you know, they, Avalon was like, what do you mean? We're just going to go walk for, for a month. Why would anyone do that? We tried to explain, you know, people are clamoring to do this and people would kill to do this. And she's like, but, but why would you walk for a month and a half? Right. And then we showed and them the movie, the, the way, way. and, and they were a little intrigued. And then they thought, are we going to die? And then I said, no, 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 we're not going to die. We're going to be very safe. Um, and Avalon was not adamant about, about, she didn't want to go. She just said, this sounds very weird. Why would we do this? I'm not really excited to go, but I will go. Largo was like, sounds like an adventure. I'm on board. So that's kind of from like the kid's standpoint. I'll let, we'll talk about the other stuff, but they, they were, you know, people were amazed that we were doing this with, with, with kids and they were really easy to travel with. So, really so, easy. And on most days, Will and I were trying to catch up to them. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the old story. So, Will, where, talk logistics. Where did you start and how far did you walk and all of that kind of stuff? Right. Well, we started in Sanjian. And, I mean, logistically, our, our issue is this because we do live full time in this motorhome. We've, we've been in here for, for the last year. And our, our logistics had to be, number one, is how do we sort of store this motorhome for, for you know, the, the span of time that we're going to be in on the Camino. And we had, well, we had a little fender bender uh, a couple oh. months ago. And no, nothing tragic. And we, we tried to realize, okay, we had to get this thing fixed. You know, we're fully covered by insurance. And we figured out that it would be perfect if we had this vehicle in repair while we were on the Camino. So therefore we, we arranged for the repair shop to have the vehicle the entire time while we were on the Camino. And they said, of course, you know, we, we'll, we'll store it for you for, for 45 days. That gives me time to go ahead and sort of alternate work between um, other paying customers and yourself. And there's no rush for me to get it done. And so it worked out perfectly that we were able to store the RV about an hour away from Sanjian. And then we took the train over there and we started our way. Uh, we essentially walked about 
20K a day, I would on say, average, yeah. on average. You know, there were some bigger days, some smaller days. But, you know, the kids were, in the beginning, um, clamoring for the smaller days. And, and towards the end, you know, they wanted 40K days to go ahead. And, Remember and, on our first day? Our first day, we only hiked for three hours. To Ronces Fias. No, no, to... Um, um, I'm sorry, to... to um, oh, my gosh, it's escaping me. It's early. Yeah, to, yeah. Orison? Orison, thank you. Orison, yeah. thank yeah. you. Yeah. We, we only hiked three hours, and then we had to take a three-hour nap. And I thought, oh, my gosh, we're never going to make it. <laughs> we only hiked for three hours. I think it was, what, is it, was that eight kilometers, maybe? Yeah, I think it is something and like I that. And I thought, we're never going to be able to do more than this. But then, you know, it, you know, we eventually got stronger and stronger. And I think our, our shortest day was probably that day, and our longest was 42K. What was the total amount we hiked to? Five? 580, 590 miles and then 890 kilometers to finish yeah. There, yeah yeah to finish there hey you know let, let me ask you something uh, this is not on my script but let me ask you something in 2013 when this this journey began did you imagine you'd be where you are talking to me right now in the hebrides <laughs> in the wilds of scotland i mean seriously did you I had would you have would I you had, have ever been game enough to imagine that you'd be there? I think we were brave enough. Definitely Will and I are, are pretty brave people. Um however, I could not have imagined this. I mean, I would have I I fantasized about it and dreamed about it. Um but like anyone else who wants to travel full time, you always think someone else can do it, that there's something special or unique about them that they can do it, but you couldn't possibly do it and you know, I think Will and I are a perfect example. We're not superstars. Um, we're not independently wealthy. We just worked really hard to get here and believed it could be done against all odds. Now, we had a lot of support, but we also had those people who said we were crazy. We were ruining our careers. We're ruining our kids' life. Um, we weren't giving them the American dream and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Not not too many, frankly. We had a lot of support, honestly. Um, and, you know, you start to doubt yourself when you're listening to that. But Will and I, when someone tells us we can't do something, it just kind of pushes us to do it more. So... To answer your question, no, I, I would have loved to have been doing something like this, but I, I can't, it's hard for me to even think about where we are now and where we were back in 2013 and that this is a lie. Well, I never knew what the Hebrides were back then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do now. You do now. I do now. Right. I mean, I, I you know, sim similar to Jessica, but, you know, on a different track. I mean, I, I am of, of the thought that there's, First of all, there is a YouTube video on how to figure out anything, number one. And, and then number two is that, you know, if someone else can figure this out, there's no reason why we cannot figure this out. It's not like, you know, one brain is, is equipped that much more than another brain. So right. I, think, I think the human ability to comprehend and to absorb and to implement is, is fairly straightforward. And if you want something, you go out there and get it no matter what. And, you know, we, we've heard about other people who were traveling like this when we were thinking about this back in 2013. And we saw blog posts and we we're like, wow, look at them. They right. are at this point what we strive to do. But in no point in our life did we ever say that's impossible because yeah. clearly if it's possible for them, then it's possible for us. And and we, we subsequently got to meet some of these people we went on or read about in the blog post and we're like, yeah, of course it's possible. Look at these guys. They're just like <laughs> us. Oh, you know, they're just like us. They have those yeah. hot mess they're days. Just, and, yeah, they're just you know. a bunch of, they're, all they're doing is shenanigans online and yeah. writing blog posts about it. But that's a very, <laughs> it's fun. That's a funny, but it's very important thing that you just said there, Will, that they're just like us. And, and there are people listening now 
who would be thinking, I could never do the Camino de Santiago. I could never travel the world, take myself way out of my comfort zone. I could never do it. And yet the message you just gave really is, is very simple, and that is they're just like us. We can yeah. do it. We, 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 the people. more we travel, the more we realize that people across the world, whether it's a mom in India who's, who's struggling to find food for her kids or someone living in Beverly Hills, at the end of the day, when you strip away all the material possessions and everything in our minds, you know, we, we're all the same. We all, we all want happiness and we all want, we, mo most people are really good people. Um, and it, it's just, it's possible, right? If you believe things are possible, you can do it. So let me ask you the question I often ask, and I'm certain you've been listening to my podcasts. Uh, are you spiritual people? Well, I'll answer, I'll answer from, uh, I'll answer from my, would well, you want to go first? Well, let, let's put it this way. Spiritual, I think we, we do believe in a sense of spirituality. We do believe in a sense of, sort of giving back and, 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 you know, we do believe that karma is a real thing. Um, in terms of an organized religion concept, I think that we, we believe in, in abstract theories more than, you know, a, a, you know, a, 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 a pure dogma. And, and so with that in mind, you know, we raise our kids for, you know, with the idea that, you know, it's good to be good people and it's good to be, um, you know, good to others and, and sort of good to the world, yeah. et cetera. I like, I like to say kindness is, is our religion. It's really important to recognize where we are, how fortunate we are um, being Americans and having the passport we have and to always um, operate our life and treat others the way we want to be treated and, and, and move forward with kindness. So like Paul said, I don't think you, we don't necessarily identify with, say, a religious group, but we identify with being humanist and kind and good and accepting of the, of the differences that, that people have. Um, and I guess some would consider that a, a religion, but from an organized standpoint, we're, we're definitely not, you know, practicing a religion. I do consider myself, you know, spiritual. If I had to pick a religion, I would probably myself, I can't speak for all, but lean more towards, towards Buddhism um, and, and living more minimalist and, and, and valuing those relationships and, and, and kind of simplicity and all that, all that stuff. Um, however, I would definitely say that we um, are easily, not wouldn't say easily enlightened, but we're enlightened on a daily basis. And some might consider that kind of a religious or spiritual thing. Um, the Camino was definitely enlightening for us. And we, d we definitely seek enlightenment in all areas of our life. You know, the Camino has a certain energy about it. Um, and can I ask you, Will, um, did you feel it? Did, did you as a family feel it? And how do you describe it to people these days? I mean, let's put it this way. The, the energy that we felt was there, – there was two types of energy that I, I felt. Number one um, was the energy of just the walk and being able to you know, realize, wow, you know, there's time to actually connect with ourselves – and inside ourselves, meaning like the family and then sort of with, with our individual self. And that was something that, um, you know, you run every day, you know, in our life, we you know, we are constantly uh, doing something that is to accomplish a said goal every day, whether it's school, whether it's work, whether it's driving to the next city. Um, there's very little time to sit back and just contemplate. And, and, you know, I'm sure, you know, everyone says this, but for us, that was 
that was a huge thing because it, huge. It, it doesn't it doesn't occur on a daily basis um, or even on a weekly basis well, I think or in even, barely a monthly basis. Even in our life, I think people probably think that we have a lot of opportunity to sit and think about life and our relationships and where we want to be and, and personal development and self-care. And we don't. We're just like anyone else at the end of the day. We work, we school, we have errands um, and all that stuff. And I think that was that's, that's, that was that's a great, great point. Right. And then number two is essentially the, the, the energy of others. And, and so, you know, I loved, I mean, you, I loved all aspects of the Camino, but if I were to say, which one would I do again? I would definitely do the first half to Leon versus the second half of Leon because I mean, to, to Santiago, because I thought that the connections you made with people who were on, you know, this, this immense journey and, and the level of, of, connection you make with them like openness and true conversation and trying to sort of figure out what you know what you're all about and what you want to share and what you don't want to share and everything else is is so massive it's because profound. you yeah. don't you don't get those connections on a daily basis it's funny because once we we were on a rest day and we were talking with some other people and you know everyone was was discussing their thoughts in the camino and what they liked about it and what they liked about their camino families and everything else and and you know i came to the realization yeah of course camino is great because it's a lot cheaper than therapy. <laughs> That's true. And you can go ahead, you can go ahead and you can tell everyone all your problems and know that you're probably not going to see them again. And if you do, it's going to be for the right reasons, not because you know what you're having struggles at home. And then, <laughs> and you can work out all your issues mentally while you're going through the Camino. And you know, and clearly, you know, you reciprocate and you sort of listen to other people's, you know, stories and whatever they want to go ahead and share with you. And it, it's fantastic because then you realize that, you know what, not only do I have, you know, my life and sort of the things I'm trying to either um, discover about myself or about sort of what I want to continue doing, but then other people have, you know, maybe sometimes similar issues, which the, 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 they don't make you, they make you feel like you're not alone in this thing. And you can learn from them. And you can learn from them, which, which I loved. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I, I think that's, that's ahead. a really great answer. You know, uh, I, I also often ask, what's the most important thing, perhaps I could ask you, Jessica, the most important thing about being a pilgrim? Oh, boy, do I have to just pick one? <laughs> yeah, just one. Um, I, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do twofold like Will did. For me, Will and I changed our life four years ago. So I went into it not wondering or not knowing how much I would get out of it from a personal development standpoint. It's not that I think our life is perfect um, or that we don't have room to grow. I just, it was hard for me to imagine that we could profoundly change that much again, because we've changed so much in our life. Um, so for me, I, I was wrong. Um, more from a standpoint of learning about myself more and what I wanted out of life and what our, our, we wanted as a family. We had so much time to talk with our kids um, and, and just get in their head. And I, I really thought we were doing that already. Uh, but having all this time to walk together as a family, I learned so much about them that I didn't know. And, and it, really, it really made me look at things so differently and kind of, we're still struggling. We're trying to figure out how we bring this back to our life now, you know, cause we're back in our life and we're back in the pace. And how do we bring, bring that back in? For me, I was, I was enlightened um, more than I could have imagined. And, and my mind was opened up so much more 
than I anticipated it could be. And that's the thing about the Camino. People go, some people go there with really clear direction of what they want to figure out and what they want to do. And others like, like us, just, we went, we just went for a hike. I mean, we just, we just went to, to connect deeper as a family and, and, and kind of do some exercise. And, and what we got out of it was, was, was so much more. Would you agree with that? Will? I, mean, I, I think so too. I mean, the other, the other, I think prevailing reason to do it was because we thought that the kids need to realize that they can accomplish something like this. Right. Right. And, and there's, there's little opportunity to show the kids of what they're truly able to accomplish without undertaking something like this. And we, we, you know, we said, we're going to do this. And the kids are like, why? And, and, you know, we knew that like in all things in life, um, you know, when there's the most struggle, that's where you get the most outcome. And, you know, with this, the struggle is more, what we realized was more mental. It was not necessarily physical because, right. you know, you get stronger as you, as you roll along on the Camino. And, and it was just at that point, it, it was dealing with, okay, um, the first half is how many days do we have left? And then yeah. the second half is how many days do we have left? And it was and, also, come mom and dad, can you hurry up? Right. Because, I mean, <laughs> they were enjoying it so much. That, like, you know, the first half is, you know, wow, you know, we still have so many days to go. And the second half is being sad that, wow, we only have so many days to go. And I've read that, that people hit the halfway mark and they're like, oh no, we, we're, it's almost done. You know, I think I, you know, as I, I can't speak for every culture, but I can speak for Will and I, I think it, it gave us the opportunity to connect deeper and, you know, in the whole, in life, it's not always that easy to sit and have these conversations about life and what you, what you want out of it and what's making you happy and what's not. We have this thing that we do every, every night at dinner. It's called the best and the worst part of our day. And it gives us a glimpse of, even though we spend all day together, it gives us a glimpse of how everyone's day has been playing out. And I feel like the Camino was that conversation for, you know, six hours a day which got us so much deeper into understanding each other and what we wanted out of life and where we were and how the Camino was affecting us as opposed to a 15 minute conversation at dinner time. And I'm still struggling with how we, we bring that back into our life here and make it richer and deeper because we don't have six hours a day, you know, to, to talk about these things. And that's what makes the Camino so special. You know, I read a, an article just today that, there are homes in Australia being built now without dining spaces, with no space for a dining table, because people are watching or having their meals in front of the screen. And we sit down as a family every night at the dinner table, the four of us. I've got teenage boys, 17 and 15 now. And to me, it's the most important part of the day for all of us to debrief and, and to share our experiences. I just thought that was extraordinary to think that society as a whole is moving to a place where we're going to be sitting in front of television. To that breaks my heart. Isn't that awful? That is really, really sad. And I, I'm, I'm going to guess it's not just Australia, you know? I mean, yeah. We, we see, I mean, when we're, we see it all the time and it's not, you know, we even, we see in developing countries too, that it tends to be the, the wealthier, the family, the more they seem to be disconnected and, you know, having devices at dinners in restaurants and stuff and not connecting as a family. And, you know, I, I agree with you that that is the most important time in our day is, is mealtime. And, you know, breakfast and lunch were kind of a bit kind of 
hot mess because everyone's working and schooling, but we, it all comes together at dinner time. And those are some of the best conversations. And on the Camino, we had three meals a day to do this, you know? We had like five <laughs> meals a day. We did. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You do. Oh, wow. Those wonderful meals with all of the pilgrims sitting around from all around the world. And you never quite know who you're going to be sitting beside. It's just so wonderful. Now, Jessica and Will, let's, let's talk about a world towner. Now, this is, this is your, 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 your everything now, world towning. Will, can I ask you for, a, I guess, a, an elevator pitch? What, what is world towning? In, in, in a snapshot, we basically we, we walk people through the logistics of what it takes to become a full-time traveler. Essentially, um, you know, we we guide through our, our our consulting with with clients. You know, we guide them on how to go ahead and depart from their everyday normal life into a life which seems normal to them, just no longer in the location that they were at previously. Um, you know, so it in a snapshot, we help them guide that we help them get through the, the visa process, getting through the emotional aspect of of moving to a new location. How to deal with their finances, their technology, their their medical insurance, if they have children, how to go ahead and set up schooling. And and we basically we help them sort of go from point A, which is normal today, to point B, which is there's still the same normal, but there's someplace else, which is a little bit more nomadic, which we think is 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 you know, a lot which we think is is what a lot of people are doing now. You know, yeah. There's a lot of people who have opportunities to have employment that allow them to be flexible with their work arrangement. Um, some people work, you know, from home five days a week. And if that's, you know, within your, your broadband, then there's no reason why that your home has to be tethered to, you know, one location, which has to be close to the office. You know, internet is, is closing up the gap for everything in life. And we think that, you know, there's no reason why you have to be so close to, you know, the office. So, Jessica, can anybody be a world towner? That's interesting you asked that question because I was just going to say something about that. Yes, anyone can be a world towner. You know, like I said earlier, it's nothing. It's nothing special. You just have to really want it. And we 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 have come. We have encountered many travelers as well as worked with many people who went. Um, from living a stationary nut life to being a world towner. And there, there really is no, you know, I can't, I'm in the middle of making an infographic and it's, it's kind of all over the place. People of all incomes, all race, all religion, some no religion. It's, but the, the underlying kind of common thread that they want is they want to learn about the world and they want to meet the people in the world and they want to broaden their view of the world. Um, and I think that that is that is basically it. I mean, if you if you just want to go and travel to check, you know, check off boxes, um, I really that that's your choice. And we have had clients that if that's what they want to do. They just want to I want to see the top five hottest tourist spots in, in 15 countries. And then I want to go back to my other life. And that's that's absolutely fine, too. We definitely encourage people. Um, to, as we call it, world town, to make world little hometowns all around the world and immerse in the culture and the people and eat the food and try to learn the language and try to make friends um, as much as possible. Besides us connecting deep as a family, living this world-towning life, the second best thing has been the people we've met along the way. 
And I think along the way, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's really, really important. So anyone can be a world talent. You just have to really, you have to want it, right? Because it's not an easy life and you have to work hard at it every day. So the concept is that you are almost mentors in a way for people who want to make the world their home as opposed to their little neck of the woods. Would that be a fairly... It, that is exactly. That's a great pitch. <laughs> so, so, um, so, what what I want to ask you then, and and you've talked about the two your two children, and you talk about world schooling, and I was just I was on your website, and and I love this that you talked about, and because I know there'll be people listening saying, well, I've got children, I can't possibly be a world towner, but you said that we decided that for us, epic meant world schooling, and you wanted an epic education for your children an up close and personal education by immersion in the various cultures of the world we wanted our children to grow not only in academics but also in understanding compassion cultural awareness and language ability so after now these few years of being world towners let me ask you a question perhaps will let's we'll start with you what have you learned from your children from our, well what we've learned for the most part is, and it, this is, this is what we expected. Um, but just, you know, the way that they execute it was, was something just beyond comprehension is that, you know, our kids are not kids. Our kids are just younger adults. Opportunity to thrive. They will thrive. I think the biggest issue that we have in life is, you know, especially as parenting is that we think that, you know, parents have all wisdom and the kids have none. Therefore, you know, the, the, the children must obey. Um, what we've realized that if you give the kids just a little bit of leeway and allow them to learn on their own terms, that they will learn. You just have to go ahead and be a little patient to the fact that it's not going to be the way that you expected it to be, you plan it to be. And that's okay, because that's how you learn from them as well. And and that is, you know, one of the things that w I think has been one of the most fruitful part parts of this adventure of ours is because, you know, we don't just learn through our surroundings. We just don't learn through a textbook or through the other people we interact with. We're learning through our kids. And yeah. and that is that is the most impactful thing that we've done because it makes you question, you know, the norms and, and sort of the cycles that, that have been sort of brought down from generation to generation that, you know, the parents dictate and the kids obey. You know, there's there's a lot of learning from the kids, which we've been doing, which has been fantastic. And they don't. They don't see the world in race, religion, age, gender, because they've been raised like this. And we did have a very typical American lifestyle for many years before we took off World Towning. You know, they associate with people um, of, of deep faith, um, and they associate with people who have absolutely no faith. They, they, they have friends of all ages, race, religion. I think that's something really neat. I think every, um, all of us as adults, you know, because we come with this set of you know, whatever in our head of how we were raised and how we've lived till this point, we can learn so much from them. Um, when they're when they're taken outside of, of their bubble and given the opportunity to blossom and accept people of all different ways of life and make friends all around the world, it's really quite beautiful. I, I learn from them every single day. I, I think uh, definitely having children has made me a better person, for sure. We were just, well, and I was just having this conversation the other night. It's amazing. I, I mean, it's not just our children, it's children in general. They have such a capacity to love and understand and accept. It's just amazing. What do you think is behind your drive, the pair of you? 
you, you, because you're on this extraordinary journey, what do you think is driving you? Is, can you put your finger on it? Have you ever thought about I, it? I, I've thought about this, and I've, I've, um, I've thought about this, and I'll speak for me. I, I have very little fear, but I do have one profound fear, and that is the fear of regret. And I really, truly listen deeply um, to people that are older than me who've lived their life. And, and when they tell me what the regrets are, I really listen. I have this fear of regret. So it's really important to me to reevaluate um, my life personally, my relationship with Will and um, our family life often and look at it from the standpoint when we have a big decision to make. Am I going to, I know this is scary. I know this is hard, but if I don't do this or if we do do this, am I going to regret it in 20 years? Because I am, I am profoundly scared of being 70 or 80 years old and saying, gosh, I should have done that at 40 or I should have done that at 30. So that, that's my, my big motivator. Um, and the love and love, the love for the, for the kids. Honestly, I, I really truly believe this is a great way to raise children. Um, and I see it in their eyes and their, and their happiness. How about you, Will? No, I think at the end of the day, there is no, let's put it this way. The, the internet is making <clears throat> things so much more, fathomable that there's no way you can say why not you know you you grow up listen we're in our mid 40s um and essentially you know we had a career walking into this so we we, we had skills that we built up and for us to go ahead and make a decision to pack up everything and decide that you know we're going to do something a little bit different is was was a big leap because we changed everything we changed the way we lived we changed our location we changed the way we schooled we changed our our sort of sleeping arrangements and we did it in our early 40s which is very you see you don't usually see that for people in their 40s right and we realized that you know this what, the transition we did into this full-time traveling uh lifestyle of ours was was really hard and and we you know i had a hard time sort of coming to grips with with so many things changing all at once and and I realized that you know what it's if it's hard now I can only imagine what's going to be like if I was sixty I would I would be I'd be ready to go ahead and take to the bottle like twenty times a day because you know so much change in life it's it's just hard for the human mind to to sort of absorb so that right there for me was the reason that I cannot go back because if I were to go ahead and try and do this later on in life I don't know whether I would be physically or mentally capable of dealing with so much change that that just you know the time is now because. May, really the time yeah. was 20 years ago but <laughs> but you know what i have to deal with what i have now and sort of live with it but i'm not going back you, yeah you know you, you're you're kind of on a an ongoing pilgrimage in many respects um you are both um you're both living and breathing the, the ideal of pilgrimage and that is journey of discovery and journey to somewhere you hope you will find, if you forgive me, what you're looking for. Yeah. But yeah. But, but I, I wanted to perhaps ask each of you, how can we leave individuals and the world a better place as a result of what you're going through, as a result of your pilgrimage? Oh, man, that's tough. I mean, so we, we do a couple things. So. And I don't know if I'm going to answer the question, but I'm, I'm going to sort of, I'm going to talk about make how sure we share I, I want to make sure we understand. How can we as pilgrims leave the world a better place? Yeah. 
Okay. Right, right. So, so with that being said, you know, we, we do a couple things that we do to, I guess, number one, because we love the fact that we're doing this. And, and, you know, one of the parts about World Towning is trying to get, you know, trying to share what we're doing, because we think that this is a great way to live life. However, you know, to get that message out, it, it sometimes it can be a challenge. So we do a couple things. Number one is that, you know, social media has been, you know, a really great way to, to, to spread a message. And, you know, people associate social media with like, you know, negativity sometimes because it sometimes spreads negative messages and fake news, whatever the case may be. That's fine. But we try and spread, you know, the message of, you know, what it's like to live this life. So we have our YouTube channel in which we've been, you know, producing vlogs and we've been trying to go ahead and sort of share what this life can be like. What we hope with, with all of our ability to, to spread a message is that it is possible, you know, that it is that it is definitely nothing to be afraid of that, you know, you can live a life of, I'm not going to say being nomadic, but of, of really of discovery through the world. And, you know, that is, if, if we have a legacy to go ahead and pass on and leave towards others, it's that, it's that, you know what, this life is changing so fast and, and, you know, technology is making it so accessible that why not take that chance? I, what about you, Jessica? This is a great question, Dan. And one I think about often, and a lot of traveler friends of ours who have, have stopped traveling but traveled for you know close to a decade are, are really thinking deep and long and hard about how they're going to leave the world a better place. They did what they did while they were traveling and all that stuff, and now they're in a different position um, because they're not traveling anymore. Some are writing books. Some are starting um, nonprofits. Some are doing a lot of volunteer work. Um, uh, this is something I think about often because I think it's, it's really important, and it's really important to think about future generations and, you know, our kids and their kids and where people are going and what they want out of life and how we can make it a better place. Cause I do think it takes a team effort. I, I don't, I don't subscribe to, well, it's just about our kids and our family and to hell with everyone else. I think we all have to work together. And so at this point, and I think this will evolve as, as life goes on for us and as our kids get older and as we get older, the best way that we, I think, are, are leaving the world a better place as pilgrims are trying to, is our cultures and give back when we're in that space. And that doesn't mean, you know, write them a check. That means get our hands, get our hands dirty and get down on the floor and do volunteer work um, and start a GoFund for an organization, help out with a school, we do this as much as we possibly can while we're traveling, but we, we really make an effort to, to be a part of the community and learn about the culture. And often it becomes overwhelming for us because we get so deeply immersed in it that we forget that we have work and schooling and all this to do. But I think that that is so much more profound to connect with other cultures, have our kids learn about it. And then like Will said, share it with people on, on YouTube and on other social media that either want to live this life um, and get them thinking about how to give back when they're not living, when they're living this life or people that can't live this life, but still want to learn about the world. I think the more we know about the world and the people in it by way of sharing it through social media, by way of doing volunteer efforts, by way of starting GoFunds for people in far off places um, as we travel, the better we're going to leave the world. And I think we all, we all need to work together to do this. It's not, it, it cannot be just a couple, a handful of people across the globe. It really is something that we 
spend a lot of time thinking about and what we can do now, what we can do tomorrow, what we can do in six months. Um, and the best way we've seen so far is to do volunteer work. And I am, I am anyone who's listening who has a better um, suggestion or wants to message us with options, I, I, I think it's really, really important to leave the world a better place. And I think we haven't exhausted all the options and we're always welcome to suggestions of how you know, we can leave the world a better place. You know, when I first read about the pair of you and, and your children and your journey, and I stumbled on world towning, I had this great image in my head of the, ta- of the world as a town. And I thought, that's such a great, simple concept. The world being a town, of all of us being one community, of all of us being, if you like, or the same, you know, from the same community, not from not from different parts of the world, but all the parts of one community. So, I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. I, I'm excited by the concept because it appeals to me hugely. Uh, the idea that you can go and live somewhere and share in the culture, and give something back to those people for the entitlement of sharing their culture, as you were just talking about. And I wish you all the very best um, in your future endeavours, your future journey. And thank you, Jessica and Will, for taking the time to chat with me on my little podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. It was really lovely. And I'm glad the internet held up well. I know. (laughs) (laughs) We are on the edge of Scotland. (laughs) We can see the Atlantic from here. Yeah, Yeah, well, you know, and and also uh, just before we began... Um, Will and Jessica's child Largo said, "Oh, hello, good morning. Oh, don't come in. The, don't come in." But hey, how beautiful the children were! So wonderfully behaved as well. So thank you so much. And thank you, Dan. Yeah, yeah. And and I know you're not on the Camino, but you are on a journey and on a pilgrimage and on a certainly on on a long journey. So buen Camino to you both. Thank you for your company. Buen Camino. Thank you, Dan. My guests this week, Jessica Trastuero, her husband, Will, and you can find there all the information about World Towning at worldtowning.com. And you can find their videos on YouTube. Just Google World Towning and you'll find them. There are about 222 videos there already. And in actual fact, just this week, they're about to feature somebody who may have written the most popular guidebook for pilgrims around the world. I won't say any more than that. It's a little teaser. But that guy that sometimes you get frustrated with, that guy, he's coming up on their podcast, their their vlog, their video log on YouTube, maybe in the next day or so. So have a look. World Towning. They got about 8,400 subscribers, so they're doing something right. World Towning. They say, expand your view of the world, gain a more robust understanding of a region and create lasting community ties anywhere in the world. And as I said at the beginning, there's an old saying, traveling in the company of those we love is home in motion. So true. Go ahead. Have a go yourself. You never know what's around the corner. You never know what you'll find. I'm Dan Mullins. Thanks for your company. And until next week, Buen Camino.